0: Bless you, God. That's meant to be a big blessing. <laughs> Sometimes you're not too sure how close to hold the, uh, the microphone. Hey, so good to see you. Is it good to see me? Hey, amen. Well, I feel that already. We just feel very much at home here. God bless you for your welcome. Thank you, Pastors Gary and Jane. And um, hey, look, you know, talking about negatives and positives, Israel is seen so often oh, in, in, the, in the press and in the media in a negative way. I think we need to understand the blessing of God upon Israel and see Israel in the the positive way that it is with the incredible calling that Israel has and the Jewish people have in God's redemptive purpose for his world. And we're just going to have a quick look. Um, We'll have number one. We'll play it from the beginning. If you want to come to Israel and you're not too sure, hopefully this will uh, convince you that it's worth going to Israel. It's a a great nation, a great people, and you can tap your feet along to this little uh, clip on uh, 24-hour time-lapse on Israel. Good on you. Thanks. to all these places. Great nation. Wonderful place to go. You can sign up for our tour if you go outside afterwards and uh, find out more about it. That's wonderful. You know, I think sometimes people who hate Israel and the Jews, and there are people around, amazingly, but there are, should close their Facebook accounts and not play on something that's created by a Jew. There's so much that's been created by Jewish people. Incredible blessing to the world. Just a few points of curiosity. How is it that a little nation... Eight and a half million people can stir up so much emotion, so much provocation. A democratic nation in a region which has got dictatorships, Arab Islamic dictatorships with a resolve to utterly destroy Israel. Their size together some 650 times larger than Israel population, 50 times can you, can you try to understand? You know how big Israel is? The size of Kakadu National Park. A third the size of Tasmania. This tiny little nation, yet so huge in the purposes and heart of God. How about Israel turning a desert into a lush agricultural garden? As it does, you fly over and you see this patch of green. as that's Israel <clears throat> as you're flying into, into the country. Plenty of water to use because of the way they've developed desalination. A tiny people compared to the world, so technologically advanced, 0.2% of the world's population, and yet, they have won 22% of Nobel Prizes. It doesn't even make sense. But for the favor of God upon them. Come on. It is God's favor upon these people. He called them to be a blessing to the world. You read Genesis chapter 12, the early verses. He called them to be a blessing to all the nations, and that is what they are. You want the Blessing in your own life? Will you stand with Israel? Continue to stand with Israel. And you will know blessing in abundance upon your life. And whatever way it comes, ultimately the blessing isn't necessarily to be measured in terms of penance from heaven or something like that. But to be drawn by the Holy Spirit into the fullness of the purposes in the heart of the Father. That's the greatest blessing you could ever experience in your life. So check it out in the scriptures. I was a Bible college student 40 years ago. I know you can't possibly believe that. But it was 40, 40 years ago here in Adelaide. <clears throat> and um, times have changed since then. We didn't, have, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have the social media that uh, seems to run the world. And do you know what the problem with, 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 with that? So, so much good from these, from these things. The problem basically is that you suddenly don't know who to believe about that stuff. Information is flying out all over the place. Things are said about people and situations and nations. And you say, is that true? Because opinion is passing as fact everywhere. How do we know what is truth? Well, we know one level, an important level of truth is found in the Word of God. That's for sure. So go back to the Word of God. We're an organization which is deeply grounded in the Bible, in the Word of God. Everything we do is based in God's Word. And that is so important. Many organizations call themselves Christians. And you kind of wonder sometimes. And I think other people sometimes wonder, but we hope that you don't have to wonder about us. And so we live, because of the, uh, the, the way people are, are questioning what is truth and so on, we, we're living in a society in which moral absolutes have been cast out of the window. You don't know really what is right and what is wrong, what is good, what is evil, what is truth and what is deception and so on. This is where the enemy is at work, deceiving all the time. In John eight forty four, he is called the liar and the father of lies. And we're living in a world where we have to say, what really is the truth? What is the truth? And I want us to just just focus for a second before I get really deeply into things, because this is a scripture which has been laid on my heart just as I've come into this year for ministry, uh, where the prophet Isaiah says in verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. That's a scripture for today. You know, it's a scripture that is directly relevant as we consider something that's happening at government level here in Australia with the so called Safe Schools program. I really don't want to go too much into that. You'll probably hear it from, from, from your pastor here. But uh, this appalling, appalling program, which purports to be of help to young kids when really they're ultimately going to be told that they've got to question their gender identity and go through a whole lot of other uh, things which well, potentially could be extremely damaging to them. It is demonic to the core. I really want to say that this is ultimately demonic. And um, uh, really, as we shall see, what is, and I've shared this yesterday, as we uh, look at what's going on in the world, as we experience stuff that's happening that affects us one way or another, we need to understand that really broadly what is happening on planet Earth reflects a fundamental spiritual conflict in the heavenlies between Satan and the living God. Satan who wants to prove somehow, if he could, that God is irrelevant, that God is not on your side, that God is not a good, good God, that God is a God who restricts you and prevents you from enjoying the fullness of life. It's only when you know God as we know him through Jesus that you can know the fullness of life as God intends you to know it. And as we focus on Israel and the Middle East region, we're going to be looking a little bit, because I think we need to, and it's this, this sort of theme that I just want us to explore just a little bit. Uh, we're going to be confronted with how much worse is the chronic, the chronic child abuse perpetrated by the Palestinian Authority, which is at the root of the... Uh, the whole, I mean, anybody results in, it's, it's hate education, it's incitement to hate, to kill and so on. And Israel, more than anything else, is confronted with an enemy that has uh, brought up a generation and generation follows generation of hatred and of incitement uh, to kill and so on. And it is just appalling. And there's no simple answer to that. There's really no simple answer to that. Tiny Israel. Uniquely called by God for a purpose. Let's go back to Genesis, shall we? Chapter 17. It's a scripture I often use when I share, and we can go back to it, I think, um, with um, benefit again and again. In Genesis chapter 17, we read the word of God to Abraham. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. And That's the Jewish people. That's Israel. Me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. The word everlasting is the word that's used, basically it's the word olam, conveys the idea as far as the eye can see. It's the word used for the, for the universe. And, it, and what does everlasting therefore mean? It means forever. It means it still applies today. There's that special relationship that God has with the Jewish people and, with, uh, uh, and with, with Israel, the land in which the Jewish people have been called to dwell. Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, As an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now that's a promise. I want us to understand afresh today that God is a God who not only makes promises, but keeps promises. I don't know about us, but we can sometimes be very trite about the whole idea of promises and very fast and loose with the promises that we make. But when God makes a promise, he means it. Read Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. When he says something, he will do it. And I want to say right from the very start, and I want us to get into a passage later in Nehemiah chapter 9, that reminds us that uh, uh, more than anything else, when you have received a promise from God and you know that it's comes from God. Hang on to it with everything that you've got. I want to tell you, with everything you've got, because God will come through for you. In whatever way it might be, in whatever timing it might be, but he will come through because he is faithful to his word. And the enemy wants to try and deceive you to someone say, Oh no, I'm gonna giving up. I'm giving up. I can't believe it'll happen hang in there because that's the sort of faith that God is looking for, Who will be, people who will believe that God is who he said he is and who is proved to be in relation to the people whom he's called to be an integral part of his redemptive plan for a broken and lost and messed up world and broken and lost and messed up people like all we have been, but hopefully not too much so much these days as the Holy Spirit works and changes in our hearts. Israel was called by God to... Uh, as, as a people, Abraham was called to be the founder of a people uh, who would dwell in a particular place where uh, folk who came across them, the armies and traders crisscrossing their day, would say, there are people who know God. And they would go back to the, where they came from or where they were going and uh, they would declare to the world, this is the kind of God that we need to know and that we need to worship. They've given us the word of God, written by Jewish people. We have to the channel for our Messiah, Jesus who is a Jew, and uh, we need to recognize too also what I've mentioned before, the many other blessings that the Jewish people have brought into the world apart from those sort of spiritual blessings, the entrepreneurial gifts, the inventiveness in technology, in science, in agriculture, and also the incredible blessing whereby they are often the first into disaster zones on a scale which is totally disproportionate to their tiny size. Think Haiti, think Nepal, think Taiwan just recently. Can we just have that clip number four, please? Uh, Number two, rather. Jump ahead of myself. Number two, which looks at the issue relating to Nepal, but there's a principle that comes through here which I want you to note about Israel and the Jewish people.
1: Voice of Israel, bringing Israel closer.
2: days ago the state of israel sent another emergency
0: rescue
2: voice of israel bringing israel closer we'll <laughs> days ago the state of israel sent another emergency rescue mission to nepal after the country experienced a second cataclysmic earthquake doctors nurses some of the best search and rescue units in the world were sent from the israel defense forces The entire world has been captivated with this devastation. Why would Israel, a small country in the most unstable region in the world, divest its attention, its resources, even its army, to save individuals in another country on the other side of the world? While anti-Semites and haters of Israel from all over have come up with all kinds of lies and made-up agendas, from organ theft to UN politics... I want to tell you the real motive behind Israel's rescue mission in Nepal. The modern state of Israel is the first time the people of Israel, the Jewish people, have been able to express themselves as a collective, A worldview, values, and ethics that have been transmitted from individual families for generation after generation have now come together as a people. The Jewish people have always seen ourselves as responsible for all of humanity and always held the sanctity of life as the highest priority. A people born from the slavery of pharaohs in Egypt and who have suffered more persecution than any other people in history feels the pain of people around the world. Israel will always hear the call of other nations and other people in need, and we as a country are proud of it. Why does Israel hear the call of people in need? Because Israel is a Jewish country, and being a Jew, in essence, is to choose life. Hey, this is Jeremy Gimpel from Israel Inspired Radio on Voice of Israel. If you like...
0: I, oh, I always knew you had eyes in the back of your head. There you go. <laughs> Well, stuff happens, but you got the you got the message. I hope. Anyway, that's that's great. Look, um, Israel called to be a special blessing to the nations, uh, not because of anything special about Israel, but God chose to work in a particular way. Look, you gotta you gotta stand firm on how God works in your life, and not try to make it happen your way. God has chosen to accomplish things in your life and in the life of his world in a particular way. And he chose the Jewish people, and he chose Israel, and is and working through them not because of anything ultimately good in them, any more than he chose you because of anything good in you. There was nothing kind of that weighed the balance in your life that caused God to say, hmm, yeah, I think I'll choose that person for my family. He, is, he, he wants each and every one of us to respond to his incredible love in, uh, in Jesus, and uh, he wants you to know that it's all about him, about his grace, about his mercy, about his faithfulness. And we're going to see that in relation to Israel particularly because, as we said before, he's a promise-making, but he's a promise-keeping God. And Israel has, has failed, has blown it big time. You read through the Old Testament, time and time again, you see Israel has messed up. And they suffered the consequences of messing up. And when they cried out to God in the suffering that they were experiencing in the exile they went into and all of that kind of stuff, Uh, God heard their cry and he rescued them and he brought them back into relationship with him. That is the kind of God that we know and whom we see expressing that kind of incredible faithful covenant love through the people of Israel and the Jewish people. In Nehemiah chapter 9, which is really one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, I don't know about you, but I I have kind of like favorite chapters in the Bible. This is the story of how the the, the Israelites came back, Their third time back after being in exile, their third time back to uh, to the land that God gave them, the temple had been built in an earlier return, in the second return. Uh, the the Bible, the, the scriptures that they had, the um, uh, the Torah, the scriptures were uh, were discovered and read, and uh, uh, Ezra helped them to understand the significance of uh, of reading and believing and acting uh, on the word of God. And we read in, in Nehemiah chapter 9 how the people gathered together, having rebuilt the walls of, of Jerusalem. Because Nehemiah had a pain in his heart that the walls uh, were still in, uh, in a mess. And so they came back in a, a miracle of 52 days. despite opposition without and within. They rebuilt the walls. And we read in chapter 9 how the Israelites uh, stood together uh, and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. Hey, we've we got beginning of revival, coming under the Word of God for, for six hours. How about that, eh? Uh, and then for another fourth, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Just think about that. That is real revival, friends. When you come under the Word of God, and you confess, and you cry out to God, and you worship God. And they did cry out to God in their confession. And I want us to see how in that chapter, there are two uh, great statements in verses 7 to 8, and then in 31 to 33, but in between those two great statements, there is the story of the way in which the, uh, the Israelites were called into existence, into being as a nation, how they came to the land, and then the whole story of what I mentioned before. They failed, they blew it, they messed up, but they cried out to God, and God rescued them. So it's a kind of like a story embraced uh, or bookended by these two great statements In 7 to 8, you are the Lord God, verses 7 to 8 of Nehemiah 9. You are the Lord God who chose Abram, brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans, gave him the name Abram. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant. We read that covenant uh, just a little bit earlier. Made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Gergeshites, to give it to his descendants. You have performed your words, for you are righteousness. A great statement about the God as a God of covenant whom we know is a God of covenant faithfulness. And then in verses 31 to verse 33, Nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them, for you are God, gracious and merciful. Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us, our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers, and on all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. There's that great statement there again, that God is faithful. In other words, they're the bookends, if you like, embracing these two great statements of the character and the nature of a faithful good God who is faithful to his promises bookending, if you like, the story of Israel. I have, in fact, a couple of bookends that, uh, that I was given uh, from Jerusalem, and I've kept precious books in between those two bookends. But I want to tell you, I think of those uh, two great statements not just as bookends, but as the arms of God embracing Israel and embracing his people and keeping them close to his heart. Friends, that is also your story and my story. Come on. You know what it's like to mess up. You know what it's like to do stuff you shouldn't do. To be led into ways that you know you shouldn't, you shouldn't travel down. But you can do it. And God is saying, there will be consequences. But I want you to know that you're always loved. I will never reject you. In fact, verse 28 in that particular sequence of, uh, of these uh, verses talking about this, uh, it's the confession, isn't it, of the people. Um, it, it says, but after they had rest, this is again, the, Typically what happened with Israel. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven. And then it says, and many times, other translations, time and time again, many times you delivered them according to your mercies. Isn't that good news, friends? Some of you need to hear that. You need to hang on to that. You need to say, God, you haven't rejected me because of what I've done. You still love me. I'm precious to you. And God wants you to hear those words, embrace the truth, and then press on with a God who will never let go of you because he's a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. Amen? That's good news, isn't it? That's, that's really good news. Because if God rejected the Jews because they failed, what hope do you and I have when we fail? Faithful to his promises. Now, Satan... We talked about the fact that we're living in a world in which basically there's a fundamental conflict between Satan and the living God. Satan wants to convince the world that God is a liar, that he's not worthy of worship, that he's weak, that instead of being at church there, you should be somewhere out by the, uh, you know, sailing on the, whatever, the Holdfast Bay or something like that, down, (laughs) I vaguely remember Adelaide, or having fun, playing golf, putting your feet out, watching telly, whatever, instead of being in church worshipping God. How do you think Satan... In the light, here I'll give you a lead now. In the light of the incredible promises that he's made about Israel, how do you think Satan could best convince the world that really God is not worthy of worship, that he's weak? How? Undermining? By,
2: by, I,
0: well, his word. And what have we said that his word, what we've been seeing his word is saying in relation to Israel? They'll they'll destroy his people. The the people will always be in the land. You see, in Ezekiel 36, there are references to the fact that God's going to restore the people to the land, and he did it, May 14, 1948. Incredible. Restored back to the land. But he said he is going to restore the people back to the land. And he said it's so that people may know that I am God. It's for my name's sake. Because it's all about God. What I'm sharing with you really isn't about Bridges for Peace as an organization. It isn't really about ultimately Israel. It's about the character of the God whom we know and worship. And Satan, by destroying Israel, if he could, by destroying the Jews, by removing them from the land, saying he belongs to somebody else, is basically communicating a message. If he could do that, God's weak. He can't keep his word. Get the idea? Now I want to show you a clip. It's about people called the settlers. The world says that the Jewish people are just settlers in the land which they want to give away to the Palestinians whose heart is to destroy the Jewish people, the leaders of the Palestinians, the Islamic agenda. And the, the world says that land really doesn't belong to the Jews. The land of, where Abraham, Isaac and Jacob uh, walked, the path of the patriarchs, the biblical heartland. I hope we can see, it's, gonna, it's number four, The Settlers, and it comes through on the screen, because this is worth watching.
2: <clears throat> the Settlers, you've prob-
0: What was the problem? So we're working it out. We're getting there.
2: The Settlers. Hey, great. You've probably heard about them. You know, those backward, brutal, racist, religious bigots. The ones with a big nose. Now, they are the biggest moral problem in the Middle East. So first of all, we're not settlers. We're Jews living in our biblical land. And second, we are talking about a very diverse society combined of wonderful, good-hearted people. Two minutes, small taste, action.
3: So, who are we? Shai. Yossi Rosenstein. Liat. Matania. Eran. Just <laughs> normal people. Snigleit. Yoni.
0: Standard family.
3: Rafael, mm. 26.
0: And Morgan, I'm 22. 24. Uh, 20. <laughs> we are Jewish.
4: I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. Jewish.
0: We work for our living.
3: I'm a professor of biochemistry and molecular biology.
1: I am a circus actor. Lawyer, Farmer.
0: Social worker. Makeup artist.
2: Best shawarma for the soldier. Yummy!
0: We're
1: religious.
2: No, we're not. We're secular.
0: But most important.
2: We've come home.
1: Yeah. Home sweet home.
3: This is my homeland.
2: This is my homeland.
3: Yay, home sweet home!
1: Because you see, this is where it all began for us, on this soil.
3: Thousands of years ago. 3,753. A long journey containing a brutal expulsion, endless persecutions, and one hell of a Holocaust.
1: And us being here in this tiny Jewish state is a living testimony of our past. Our present.
3: And foremost, the future.
1: The future foresaw by the prophet
0: Isaiah. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. So there's a big difference between the truth about Israel and what the world chooses to believe and is... uh, Persuaded to believe through false media and other internet rubbish that goes around. Uh, and all of this, the annihilation, the talk of the annihilation of the Jews, the attempts to annihilate them, which has been uh, really Israel's history, the story of their history from the very beginning, is, uh, is, is, is really uh, uh, part of that core spiritual root Uh, of the longest, deepest, most intense, and most irrational hatred called anti-Semitism. Satan has tried down the ages to destroy the Jewish people. You know the story of Pharaoh chasing with his army after the Israelites when they came out of slavery in Egypt. And uh, uh, the sea was opened up, and the Jewish people went through, the Israelites went through, but the water closed over and destroyed. And that's a miracle, friends. Someone actually, some clever academic, scholastic sort of people, you know, don't believe anything that the Bible says, said, no, 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 no. It was only about six inches deep, the water at that point. Couldn't have happened. And someone said, great, a miracle indeed. The whole of, his, of the Pharaoh's army drowned in six inches of water. <coughs> I tend to believe what the Word of God says, and I think it's safe ground to do that. Once you start questioning God's Word, you begin to start pulling it apart completely. So be careful. Haman, the story of Haman who sought to bring about the destruction of all the Jewish people in the, in the empire at that time, but for Queen Esther and Mordecai, God's miraculous intervention through a series of circumstances. And we could go through a whole lot of other uh, experiences, very sad experiences for the Jewish people, even at the hands of people who call themselves Christians, the Crusades, the Inquisition, even the Holocaust, uh, where the church was extremely silent um, uh, 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 and, and really very culpable in some ways. And uh, one way and another, uh, we're seeing today a huge spike in anti-Semitism around the world. You probably read about it. You can, uh, uh, it doesn't take much to see what's going on. And you've got to ask Satan, uh, you know, you're, you're at it again, aren't you? But as much as Satan is at it again, God is at it again, watching over and protecting his people. What's being used at the moment is uh, uh, quite frankly uh, Islamic, the Islamic radical agenda. I just want to say very quickly I've got nothing against Muslim people. They're lovely people, so many of them, but they are deeply deceived. Uh, I'm on politically incorrect ground, but I think accurate ground um, uh, when I say that if Uh, you look at Islam and have any understanding of Islam, and we've worked as missionaries in in a Muslim country, um, you will discover that really it is a counterfeit religious system. Satan never, ever, ever created anything original. He takes something which is good, the religious impulse, and twists and perverts it to deceive people. That's what's happening, sadly, with the uh, whole Islamic agenda at the present time. Like, for example, Satan has uh, taken the... Gift the good God's gift of sexuality and twisted it and perverted it in the way that we're seeing that I made reference to earlier, the safe schools program and a lot of other things, whereby somehow you are regarded as the uh, homophobic bigot if you take a stand for God's standards in terms of sexuality, and it's um, it's a twisted type of a world in which we live in, but we need to hold fast to God's truth and believe that God who is. Worked in the lives of so many of us i 'm sure in in, in in powerful ways continues to work in powerful ways to keep us on track so hold fast to god 's word I want to keep saying that to you. Hold fast to his word and uh, I just want to just remind you of the fundamental difference there is it 's the difference ultimately between good and evil in relation to the Jewish people and their outlook and mentality, which you've seen something about. They have a a philosophy that says tikkun olam, which is we are called to have a positive benefit in the world, to bless the world, to repair the world when it's gone wrong. That is the, the call of the Jewish people who recognize that from the scriptures, where God calls us to make a difference in the world and to bless the world. But sadly, you know that's been going on when Trixie and I were last in Israel together for a month um, in last october and november there were incredible things going on in terms of stabbings and uh, cars being run into people some awful things the incitement to hate look let me talk a little bit just about this because i want us to understand that uh, child abuse is a virtually public policy in the palestinian authority uh israel's enemies it's widely asserted and you might have come across this statement before that you judge a nation by the way it treats its most vulnerable you judge a nation by the way it treats its most vulnerable Then how do you judge a society whose leaders condemn the most vulnerable their small children to a lifetime of appalling hatred and to the belief that the highest calling in their precious young lives is to wage endless war and die a martyr's death. That's exactly how it is. In the school system, you might call it terrorism for tots in their school program. The Palestinian Authority and Hamas preschool television and radio program continue to push the idea uh, not only that the Jews are the uh, sons and the daughters of apes and pigs, but really have to be have to be killed because they are, uh, they are hated by Allah himself. They're a perversion of real humanity. And it is absolutely appalling. How, how much worse can you, can you abuse the, little, the mind of a little child? And yet this is standard fare in schools, uh, the education system, uh, not only in the Palestinian Authority but in Jordan and Lebanon and nations round about. The need to wipe Israel off the map is a frequent theme in this kind of teaching and this kind of hate education. And so you finish up with young kids, as we've been seeing, and as we were uh, not directly encountering, but uh, we were in Israel at the time. Even young kids, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, stabbing people because, simply because they're Jewish. And in actual fact, when you stop and think about it... Um, uh, it's, it, it's, it's even worse when you hear that a whopping 67% of the Palestinian population support stabbing attacks against Israeli Jews. How do you contend with that? Come on. That's the reality that Israel is facing at the present time. And that was a a reliable poll conducted by a Palestinian authority um, among Palestinians in Judea, Samaria, and Gaza. Two out of every three Palestinians believe that it is a good thing to plunge a knife into an innocent Jewish person. How do you kind of contend with that? More than anything, Israel needs to know that they're not alone and that we stand with them and will support them and pray for them as we need to, as they're confronted with that kind of incredible hate and incitement to hate that is abusing the minds of little children. And that's where Satan is so much at work. This is demonic to the core. Uh, I could show you stuff, which I'm not going to show you this morning, Uh, but uh, uh, the heroes of young Arab children are those who do exactly the things I've been talking about. And uh, in the stabbings, and especially the stabbings and attempted attacks by Arabs, there was a survey done over a period of five months until just a few weeks ago. And they found that uh, of those attacks, some 228 terrorist attacks, 81 were by terrorists aged 16 to 20, and 22 by those younger than 16. There was a woman who came out of her front door um, when approached by somebody in uh, Samaria, in the biblical heartland, 38-year-old woman, a, a wonderful woman who cares for foster children as well as her own family. And this 16-year-old uh, kid who'd been watching television programs inciting him to kill Jews plunged a knife into her body. And she twisted around so that it would prevent him from pulling out the knife and then going for her daughter just behind her banana. And she saved the life of her family, although she died. This young 16-year-old terrorist then went home and watched a movie on television. It is simply unbelievable. And yet that's the kind of stuff that really is going on. I want to move on to something a lot more positive because I want you to understand first first and foremost, that's the reality. But in the midst of that, God is watching over his people have you got that um, Psalm 121 it's number eight and it's simply a uh, uh, a scripture verse we hold fast to this scripture verse um, is it coming up behold he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep Psalm 121 verse 4 it's a scripture that we can hold fast to ourselves he's a God who doesn't slumber he doesn't sleep he's watching over us he cares for us And he's certainly caring for Israel. Um, I think a particular um, clip that's worth seeing is how Israel, such a contrast to the way that her enemies uh, abuse the minds of little children, care for the minds of little children. Little children who uh, have grown up and only known all their lives the sound of a siren warning them to get into shelter before another rocket falls. Uh, children along the border with Gaza, uh, and there are many of them who live in the communities along there, who, uh, uh, who who basically are at the receiving end of what has, over the last 10, 12 years, been about 15,000 rockets. And uh, this is a little song that they're taught when the siren goes. Can we watch that? That's uh, number, let's get the number right, number seven. I hope that one comes up for us. Can you imagine growing up through your young life? Can you imagine growing up in your young life having to do that all the time? knowing that there's the danger of a rocket falling and killing you. And yet that's the reality in many parts of Israel, and increasingly so as they're facing further onslaught at the present time. We don't have time to go into that. But I want us to be reminded of the fact that again, God is watching over his people. And often miracles are miracles of timing. There's uh, a system called the Iron Dome, a missile defense system called the Iron Dome. And it only just came on stream in time for Israel to use it against the missiles that were being sent over from Gaza towards especially populated areas in Israel, the Iron Dome missile defense system. Uh, it was a miracle of timing that it came. Uh, available, as it were, just at the right time. But what's a miracle is, is that it can destroy incoming missiles, um, not only one after another, but all at the same time, a whole bunch of missiles. Just incredible. So uh, they don't have to charge the thing up again and then fire uh, another missile. They can simultaneously send out uh, many, many uh, missiles to destroy the incoming missiles. So why don't we just see that one, because I think it's a reminder that again God's timing God working in incredible ways and if we have a look at number nine that will illustrate exactly what I'm saying this is during the last Gaza war just under two years ago. so much carnage and death uh, prevented because of that. One On one occasion, or on a, a few occasions, the Iron Dome system didn't work accurately. It was about 90% successful overall, which is pretty good for a system that's just come on stream. And there was uh, a missile from Gaza that was going straight towards a major, major building, a high-level, high-story building. And... Uh, Incredibly, amazingly, it was heading for that particular building and then just veered away and landed in to the ocean. Have you got 8a? Because there was a response from Israel's enemies when they heard about that. (coughs) And that was about the only explanation that anybody could ever come up with. That God is watching over his people in incredible and in miraculous ways. That's the kind of God that he is, for whom really, in the end, nothing, literally nothing, is impossible. Let's believe that. Not, we need to pray um, seriously for Israel with more conflict on the horizon. But I want you to see the testimony of the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu. I want you to see this because he is quoting the scripture in the United Nations. I think that is incredible. He's a man whom God has raised up at a time such as this, and he needs wisdom, incredible wisdom, in knowing how to handle the situation in which the country finds itself in. Because if they were to take even uh, preventative action uh, against the possibility that war is going to uh, erupt yet again, especially on the Gaza border and up um, on the northern border where Hezbollah have 100,000 rockets pointing at Israel as we speak, Uh, If uh, he was going to take any kind of preventive action, uh, he would be slammed mercilessly in the international media. Any other country? No. But Israel alone. The United Nations is grossly anti-Israel. In the last four months, they've listed all the terrorist attacks around the world that have taken place, and they have not included a single one of the terrorist attacks against Israel by the Palestinians. It doesn't make sense. But that's the world we live in, where values are totally inverted, godly values are inverted. So let's just have a look at that uh, testimony of Benjamin Netanyahu at the end of his speech um, to the United Nations. And then I'll close with a very quick uh, clip, help, helping you to understand how we seek to give to the Jewish people uh, a real, genuine, biblical face to Christianity, something very different to that which has been their experience in the, in the past given the way that some people calling themselves Christians have behaved towards the Jewish people. This is number 11, and we're going to see it from the end at the end of the speech as he speaks to the gathered assembly of the United Nations.
1: I have great pleasure in welcoming the Prime Minister, Minister for Foreign Affairs, and Minister of Public Affairs, Which mutual and, and Israel's security needs must be met. I am prepared to make a historic compromise for genuine and enduring peace. But I will never compromise on the security of my people and of my country, the one and only Jewish state. Ladies and gentlemen, one cold day in the late 19th century, my grandfather, Nathan, and his younger brother, Judah, were standing in a railway station in the heart of Europe. They were seen by a group of anti-Semitic hoodlums who ran towards them, waving clubs, screaming, Death to the Jews! My grandfather shouted to his younger brother to flee and save himself. And he then stood alone against the raging mob to slow it down. They beat him senseless. They left him for dead. And before he passed out, covered in his own blood, He said to himself, what a disgrace, what a disgrace the descendants of the Maccabees lie in the mud, powerless to defend themselves. He promised himself then that if he lived, he would take his family to the Jewish homeland and help build a future for the Jewish people. I stand here today as Israel's Prime Minister because my grandfather kept that promise. And so many other Israelis have a similar story. A parent or a grandparent who fled every conceivable oppression and came to Israel to start a new life in our ancient homeland. Together we've transformed a bludgeoned Jewish people, left for dead, into a vibrant, thriving nation defending itself with the courage of modern Maccabees developing limitless possibilities for the future. In our time, the biblical prophecies are being realized. As the prophet Amos said, they shall rebuild ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. They shall till gardens and eat their fruit. And I will plant them upon their soil, never to be uprooted again. Veshavti shvut ami Yisrael, uvanu arim neshamot vayashavu, vnatuk ramim veshatui et yeinam, veasu ginot et piriam, unetatim alad matam, v'lo od. Ladies and gentlemen, the people of Israel have come home never to be uprooted again.
0: Just to know that the only people clapping in the United Nations General Assembly was the Israeli delegation. Amazing. God is watching over his people. God hasn't finished with his people. We read in Romans 11 how God is going to accomplish his redemptive purpose in the hearts of Israel and the Jewish people. Or in fact even to the extent that Paul writes all Israel will be saved. Understand that God has his way of accomplishing his purpose and Israel's right at the very heart of that. And uh, Israel isn't going anywhere. Whatever the world may think or try to accomplish. In Zechariah 14, verse 4 it says, When Messiah returns, he will place his feet on the Mount of Olives which will be split in two between East and West. So Israel's not going anywhere until Messiah returns. And probably the whole world will know anyway, through Israeli technology that beams it worldwide. <laughs> so we as Jewish as, as as an organization, as a Christian organization, we set want to say to, to the Jewish people and to Israel, you are not alone. This is just a minute and a half as we close. This is a clip which really basically summarizes our ministry as an organization. We're centered in Jerusalem, but we operate in about nine nations across the world. And our calling is to bless them in practical ways and in showing unconditional love as we seek to do. Not trying to hit them over the head with a John 316, four by two, but building relationship with them. And as we build relationship, we start talking about why we do what we do then a lot of stuff starts to happen and people begin to say, that's what it means to be a Christian. And we are blessed by that. So the real key to what we do is relational. And we want the Jewish people to know that we stand with them no matter what. And we believe what God says in his word about that special calling upon the Jewish people to be a blessing to the world. And we are blessed because of that. So let's have a look at that last clip um, uh, from the Bridges for Peace clip. Uh, about Christians supporting Israel.
3: Bridges for Peace Christians supporting Israel and building relationships between Christians and Jews in Israel and around the world. Bridges for Peace 50 years of blessing Israel and the church through compassion and revelation. Compassion Feeding Israel's hungry Caring for Israel's needy repairing homes, giving hope to children in poverty, helping the Jewish people return to their ancient homeland. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Revelation, bringing the Bible to life in its ancient context, revealing the truth of Israel's prophetic significance, telling the story of Israel's miraculous rebirth, connecting Christians and the Jewish people through a grassroots global team of Christian representatives. For God's instruction shall go forth from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Bridges for Peace, a Matthew 25 ministry dedicated to supporting the nation of Israel and bridging the centuries-old gap between Christians and Jews. Bridges for Peace, your Israel connection.
0: Let me say as you involved in blessing the Jewish people and blessing Israel in the kind of ways that we are seeking to do, you're not only reading about Bible prophecy, you are actually becoming part of Bible prophecy. And that is really powerful. God bless you all and thanks for the opportunity of sharing with you. Take care.
4: Thanks, Pastor Keith. It's great. really encourage you. Uh, Jane and I uh, are going uh, over to Israel in October, November with Pastor Keith. Uh, as a part of the team over there. We would encourage you to seriously pray and consider about coming along as a part of that trip. Uh, all the information is out there uh, on the stall, um, on a table out there. I uh, would encourage you to have a look over some of the material there. Uh, I believe it will bless you and will encourage your heart. But see what God says to you about uh, coming over in, in October, November. Walk the land. Uh, from our testimony alone, uh, Jane and I were profoundly impacted uh, by our time over there and just to, uh, to be in the land where uh, Jesus was and to see some of the places that uh, are in our Bibles. We read the Bible now thinking about our time in, in Israel. The Bible has come alive because of our time in Israel. And I would suggest that, uh, uh, you know, seriously consider, ask God, if you want me over there, you need to make the finance available. Let's see that happen. Amen right uh, we're just going to close the service right now and and just uh, have the team uh, playing a song as we go Uh, just really encourage you to uh, uh, just encourage one another as you go about this week so how about we just stand father we just thank you for bridges for peace we thank you for keith and trixie uh, and what they're doing we pray lord god that you'd uh, uh, be upon our lives touch our lives as we go as well we thank you for what you're doing right around the world and we thank you that we can be a part of what you're doing in israel today father bless and encourage your people to day in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said? Amen. Amen. Thanks team.